Hello and welcome to episode 414 of the Veg Grower podcast. My name's Richard and I'm trying to grow all our fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and garden. Now coming up today I've got a bit of a listener question, listener feedback show so quite a bit to get through but first let's hear what I've been up to over this last week in the diary. It is Thursday the 9th of September 2021 today and I am just in my back garden and what I've done in one of the beds I had to harvest some of my parsnips and my carrots to make room to sow some Swiss chard. Now Swiss chard is one of those crops that I love to grow. I think the plants look fantastic. This mix of red and yellow which just look absolutely stunning in any garden on the allotment. And of course they grow over winter quite nicely and won't bolt until next summer. So in my opinion I think they're well worth growing. But because I had to harvest some parsnips and carrots first, I was impressed with how those turned out. Now, the reason I was impressed is that last year I built this bed, maybe earlier in this year, I can't remember. Either way, it's the first time I've used this bed properly. And I had filled it all right up to the top with fresh compost. Now, we're always told, don't grow carrots in fresh compost or... Um, parsnips in fresh compost because it leads them to forking. Well, what I can tell you is that certainly was not the case here. The carrots and the parsnips turned out nice, big, straight, decent size and really, really impressive results. So I'm very, very, very happy with that and uh, very happy to be using these carrots and parsnips in the kitchen, of course. Now, why do I think that they haven't forked. Well, my theory is, and I think a few people share this theory, that the reason they haven't forked is not because of the compost, but because I've done no dig and I've just laid the compost on top of the soil in a thick layer. In the past, when people would dig in the compost, dig in the manure, I think that's where the issue would come from because that would cause little pockets of manure, little pockets of compost, that as the carrots went down, meat finds in one of those pockets and then hits some, the harder soil, that would cause them to fork. That's my theory anyway, and I'm pretty sure I'm on the right track. Either way, I'm happy with my carrots, happy with my parsnips, and they've turned out really, really good. So fantastic news and more importantly I've now got Swiss chard sown so I'm looking forward to being able to grow those later on in this season. It is Saturday the 11th of September 2021. I'm down on the allotment today and I'm just about packing up ready to go home. I had a great day down here actually. Now the first thing I did when I came down here was got my lawnmower out of the back of the van. I brought that down from home and just ran over the grass areas giving it a quick mow and then using those lawn clippings over my leg bed just to mulch. Now this is something that you will hear me say every week I try to do, usually with a strimmer, but I've started bringing the lawnmower down now, and because it's battery powered, it's pretty easy to do, and actually it doesn't do a too bad job as long as I keep on top of it. So that's what I'm gonna do from now on in. 
Added to that, the lawn clippings, I'm just constantly using as a mulch on some of my beds when and where I can in order to suppress weeds. It, it really does work quite nicely and just, just reduces the amount of work I have to do, which means I can concentrate on growing plants or growing my own food. After that, I went to what is going to be the garlic bed. And I covered that over with a load of cardboard boxes. And again, I brought down from home. Something I'm trying to hoard as much as I can get hold of at the moment is cardboard boxes. Because they work great just as covering over the soil and acting as a weed suppressant. I'm, I'm laying it quite thick as well. But after that, I then covered the garlic bed, or what will be the garlic bed, and what will be the onion bed with compost out my compost bin. Now this completely emptied my compost bin. And usually I can't do it with these beds at this time of year because I have pumpkins growing in the compost bin. But I didn't grow pumpkins in the compost bin this year. I dug out the compost and spread that over the two beds. I've got to admit, this compost is not as good as normal. It could have done with being a bit wetter and rotted down a bit better. But it's okay, it'll do the job. But what I've got to do next week is just bring down some compost that I have to buy in and then just mulch the very top of these beds with that added compost just to make sure it does a, the proper job. Point being now, though, these two beds are ready to go and are looking, well, looking like they're going to be ready for garlic and onions quite soon. I've just got a shallot bed to go, which I will do next weekend. I'm not sure when I'm going to get the compost from just yet, but that's something I've got to figure out. After that, I went up to the top half of the plot and just spent a bit of time cutting down the grass areas, with, again, with the strimmer lawnmower. And carrying on with that. I then got into one of the potatoes bed. Now this was the first early potato bed. I've dug that over just to make sure there was no potatoes left in the ground. Cleared out any weeds in there and then I'm going to give that a week just to settle back down. Next week I'm going to come back down, probably give it another light digging and then I'm going to throw in some facilia seed to grow in there over winter and act as a green manure. Uh, following on from that, I've then harvested a cabbage and some sweet corn, along with a few potatoes, which we will use at home throughout some meals for this next week, which is obviously the point of growing our own. Got to say, sweet corn this year has been a real success. One of the few things that has been a success, and I, I love the taste of sweet corn anyway, but this is just something else because it's so fresh and so good. The thing with sweet corn, what I like to do is I wait until the, the tassels on the end of the cobs turn brown and then I'll peel back the husk and pierce the sweet corn and just see what the juice is like. If it's milky, it's ready. If it's white, it's not quite there yet. And if it's a bit too thick, it's overripe, but I very rarely get to that point. But what I also have to do when I harvest a sweet corn, it's the last thing I had to do. I harvest it and then I run home to get that sweet corn in a pan of hot water just to blanch it quickly so that we don't lose any of that sweetness. Sweet corn has a tendency for the sugars in it to turn to starch very, very quickly after harvesting, which is why you want to harvest it quickly and get it into a pan just to stop the sugars turning to starch very very quickly you've got about an hour so not a huge amount of time to play with 
Well, that's what I've been up to today down on the allotment. The sun's nice and bright. I'm going to head on home and get some lunch. It is Sunday the 12th of September 2021 today and I've had a day in the garden. Now, one of my main tasks that I wanted to do today was to finally get the willow tree, or what was left of a willow tree, cut down. So I got my battery power chainsaw out and started cutting off all the limbs and uh, yeah, got it to the point that there's just a bit of trunk left which I will eventually, and pretty soon actually, cover over with one of my Dalek compost bins into which I'll start composting and that should, in theory, rot away at the trunk. This is a trick that I learned a few years ago as a way of just um, making it a bit easier to get rid of any trunk, tree trunks or anything like that. It certainly works for me. It takes a year or two, but it works quite nicely for me. Now that took up much of a day, obviously, using a chainsaw to cut down all these limbs and tidy away. And that's the limbs that we will season or let dry for a year or two before we use it on our open wood fires. Now after that, I went over to my pots of tomatoes. You may recall I started an experiment this year of growing tomatoes in pots with different additives added to the pots. I've got perlite in one, plain, nothing added in another, biochar in another, and brick dust in another. This came out of uh, somebody who emailed me over the, her concerns of the overuse of perlite and vermiculite. She sent me some brick dust and I tried it. Now I'm going to be talking about the results of this a little bit later on because I think it's quite surprising just what has happened here. But basically what's happened with these pots, the blight has just got too much. It's destroyed the plants. I was hoping to get away with it. So I've removed all the tomato plants and I've emptied all the compost out into a compost bin just to get rid of it and tidy things away. Seems a shame that things are starting to draw to an end this evening. But I think that's just the way it is this year. I don't mind really because I've still got next year where we can go again. But I've still got things growing. Now, on that note, I'm just looking at my Perillia. Now that really has shot on in growth in the last week. Seems to be really taken off. And I'm going to start picking a few leaves this week just to see quite how they taste. But that's really has shot on in growth and is doing well. May help with this willow tree out the way as well on that matter. Right, well, that is it for today's diary update, and I suspect that is going to be it for this week's diary section. So we'll be having a little commercial break, and then I'll be back with a listener feedback show. I would just like to ask you if you are enjoying this podcast, and perhaps you might consider signing up to the Supporters Club. It costs just £5 a month. And for that, you get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content, including two extra podcasts each week, only for supported members. Added to that, each month you will receive a gift pack containing a newsletter and at least six packets of seeds that can be sown that very month. By becoming a supported member, your monthly contribution helps me keep this podcast moving forward and grow. It also helps me encourage and teach more people how to grow their own food, something I passionately believe everybody can do. To become a member, 
head to thefrenchgrowpodcast.co.uk. Well, there we go. That was my week gardening and growing my own food. Quite an eventful week. Got quite a bit done. Although I've got to admit, I would like to spend a bit more time in a garden, a bit more time on the allotment than what I've managed. Hopefully this coming week, we will be able to do that. But on with this week's podcast. And this week, as I said in the intro, I've had a few questions come in and I want to go over this soil additive experiment that I've ran. But firstly, my first question that I've received actually came on from Facebook. Now, I always accept questions anywhere they are sent in facebook instagram twitter anything like that i don't mind and i will quite often use it in the podcast but my preferred way if anybody is ever brave enough to do this is to head to vegegrowerpodcast.co.uk and leave a voicemail it's by far my preferred way just because then i can play that audio into the podcast but all other methods are, of course, accepted, including email as well. Like I say, this one came in on Facebook. I can't find who sent me this question, but I do remember it. And the gentleman was asking me about mulch. Now, pondered on doing a podcast about this, but I'm sure I've done some not long ago. And as we're coming into the winter, mulches really aren't at the forefront of everybody's mind. They're a bit of a, a more something we would do over the summer in order to suppress weeds and reduce watering. But looking at my rhubarb yesterday, it is starting to die back. And when it does eventually die back completely, I'm going to have to clear everything away and then mulch the soil with compost or manure in order to protect the roots and feed the ground. Now, this is something that I've realised is where mulching at this time of year is going to play dividends. Compost, manure are pretty good as a mulch, but they also add nutrients to the soil. Plants will grow in it. Eventually, weeds will come through. So I don't class those as being a, a weed preventative measure. But what they are good for, like I say, get nutrients and goodness into the soil that our plants will benefit from. But if you want to go a step further, straw, also very good for insulative properties. It will protect if you've got rhubarb in the ground or if you've got, uh, I don't know, dahlias in the ground. A layer of straw will help protect those. Hay can be used as well, but hay can leave some weed seeds in the ground afterwards. The only trouble I found with using both straw and hay is that weeds will eventually grow through. Most of my mulches are used on the allotment as a way of stopping the cooch grass or preventing the cooch grass. But I found that cooch grass still grew through the straw. And I believe it just because it's quite a thick areas in between, the grass would make its way through the straw and then poke out. This is where I found grass clippings to be king grass clippings you mow the lawn you've got grass clippings now you could throw those grass clippings of course straight into the compost bin and that's fine it's making compost which of course is going to be useful further down the line but what i've really started doing and you've heard this in the diary section is just every time i cut the lawn i save those grass clippings and i throw them around the base of my plants over the soil they will eventually wilt down and weeds will eventually grow through them. But I found if you keep on top of it and you do enough of it, it seems to do 
a good job and also it does reduce the amount of weeding that needs to be done and when weeds do grow through they're easy to pull up wood shavings i have plenty of wood shavings especially after what comes out of the chickens they can be used but they do rot down they do hold on to moisture quite nicely and they can be expensive wood chips is another one and I've used wood chips a lot on paths and around trees. And again, they've done pretty well at suppressing weeds, but will eventually rot down and let weeds grow through. Something I'm trying out at the moment at home is this Easy Mulch. Now, this Easy Mulch has actually worked quite nicely. Well, it was I got from Gardener's World Live a bag of Easy Mulch and I scattered these straw pellets around the base of my blueberry plant. I added water and these pellets then swelled up and they've covered the complete area and they've, they seem to have done quite a nice job actually. They do act as a mulch, they have suppressed weeds, they have kept the moisture in the ground but I've only been using it for just over a week so I'm, I'm holding myself back from saying yes go ahead and go for it. The downside is this is a substance you have to buy in so it will cost money. That might be something you want to think about easy mulch. There's another mulch on the market called Strolch which I've had no experience with but I keep seeing it and keep thinking I might try that out as well. I've used stones in the past as a mulch on some of my pots, but I found that they really didn't work very well. I found that the weeds did grow through and the weeds were very hard to get off. And eventually those stones made their way into the soil, but they were decorative. And I think that's what they're more for, decoration. One final mulch that I use and will be using quite soon is seaweed now i use a seaweed mulch on my asparagus asparagus loves seaweed because it's a, a coastal plant and i live very close to the sea so it's very easy for me to go down after high tide and get a bag of seaweed that has washed up onto the seashore i'll take that straight down the allotment because it does get quite smelly pretty quickly and i'll just throw that over my asparagus throughout the winter when the asparagus has died back down the salt on the seaweed will actually work into the soil and therefore prevent weeds coming through as well which is why i don't advise using it on anything else but if you did want to use it on anything else i would wash it in clear water first so I think that summarises all the mulches that I can think of that we can use and my thoughts on using them. The next question came in on Facebook as well, and forgive me if I pronounce your name wrong, Padrig. Now Padrig has lots of potatoes to store and is looking at doing a traditional method of creating a clamp, but unfortunately is unable to get enough straw and is wondering if wood chips would be a good substitute. Now, for those who don't know what a vegetable clamp is, it used to be a common way to store root crops such as potatoes, beetroot, carrots and so on. Traditionally, what would happen is a straw would be placed on the ground, followed by a layer of root crops, followed by more straw, more root crops and so on until all the vegetables were used. Then more straw would be placed all over the clamp in order to insulate it and followed that up with earth. Now this all acts as a very good way to insulate all these root crops and keep them moist and protected. Now when these were common, people would have to remove all the straw and earth to get to the 
the vegetables and then replace all the straw and earth back to insulate and cover them back over once they had all their vegetables out. Now I've not heard of the use of wood chips in a clamp at all. I don't think there's any reason why it wouldn't work. The only thing that concerns me slightly is perhaps it might hold a bit too much moisture and start to rot your vegetables but i think it's certainly worth a try if it's all you can get hold of then why not give it a shot and please do let us know how it works out using wood chips it'll be a first i think because i cannot find anything online of anybody using wood chips as a vegetable clamp another option could be to store all your root crops in boxes of damp sand this is something that i have done in the past and works quite well somebody last year actually said they used wood shavings to store their root vegetables in boxes inside their garage and inside their shed and the fact that they used wood shavings made me think the wood chips on the clamp might well work as well like i say patrick please do let us know how you get on with it i'm a bit on the fence because i've never tried it myself I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work, but at the same time, there is a risk of rotting. Give it a try. Let me know what you think. My final question this evening came in from Debbie on Instagram. Now, Debbie has been growing jalapenos this year. The plants are really nice and healthy and strong, but she's picking the chilies and they have absolutely no heat to them. Now, I've had a bit of a conversation with Debbie because my first thought is that this was a jalapeno that had no heat to it. Some jalapenos, some chilies certainly are very mild. Some have absolutely no heat to them. Some are very, very hot. Well, it's not the case. This is a variety that does have a bit of heat to it. So what I then thought, and this has been justified by the fact that the plants are healthy and strong, is that the plants have been looked after too well. This has meant that the plant hasn't produced any capsaicum in order to produce some heat. What I mean by that, chili plants do like hot, dry conditions, so they need to be in full sun. And they don't need to be watered daily. Quite often you can go without watering for two weeks or more before they really need it. What the experts actually say to do is to let the compost in the pot, if it's in a pot, dry out completely before watering again. That could be one thing. But my next thought is that it was overfed using too much plant feed. Now, if you're using a plant feed that is more nitrogen based, then that's probably going to lead to the fruits not producing very well and good healthy growth. So a tomato feed is what I would generally say to use on chilies. And I would only use that every two weeks. That's generally enough for some good chilies, I find. Hopefully, Debbie, that answers your question. Just look after them a little bit less well and hopefully they will start producing some hot chilies for you. Now on with the soil amendments experiment that I've been running throughout this year. Now this came from an email I had from Erica. Now Erica was concerned about the overuse of perlite or vermiculite in garden products. Now perlite and vermiculite is a naturally found product. 
But much like peat, much like coal, I guess there's only a finite amount of resources there are in the world. I've done a bit of research on this and actually there is a bit of concern going on, but it's not quite as widely known as, say, the concern people have about peat. So this was very, very concerning to Erica and it certainly made me think. Now, Erica sent me some brick dust because she's found that to be a viable substitute. But to experiment with this brick dust, what I did is set up four pots with the same type of compost from the same batch in all four pots. In one of these pots, I just had compost on its own. In another, I had perlite. In another, I had the brick dust. And in another, I had the biochar that I brought from Gardener's World back in spring. In May, I think it was. Into all four of these plots, I planted tomatoes. Same variety of tomatoes. The variety was amateur. I've treated them all exactly the same. They've been watered the same at the same time. They've been fed the same at the same time. It was a very scientific experiment, I guess. The biggest trouble I had is that eventually the thing that has plagued me so much this year, blight. Now, the blight got so bad this week that I had to uproot them. I've got to say, they did last longer than the other tomato plants that were in the ground. But it just got to the point that I had to end the test a bit early because of a blight. I will test this again next year. I've got the idea to run several experiments next year and just find out all the different things that we can try this out on again. I'm going to do tomatoes, salad leaves, carrots, all in different pots and all with these different additives to see what makes a difference. But what I did find is the pot that had brick dust in it, the plant in there had a much earlier start it got away faster when it was young and added to that at one point one of my chickens decided to pull out this tomato plant realized he didn't like to eat it threw it on the path and left it and I didn't realize until later on that evening when I found this tomato plant basically wilted I quickly popped it back into the brick dust and pretty quickly the next morning it had actually recovered and didn't die so i was very very surprised of that and that to me was a good sign from the brick dust now eventually after a while all the four plants pretty much caught up with the brick dust so it worked in the beginning then it slowed down but what i also noticed is that all four of these plants caught blight but it was significantly less on the plant in the pot with biochar and i don't know why I don't know if that's a scientific reason behind that, but the biochar blight was significantly reduced. And it also produced more tomatoes, interestingly, closely followed by the brick dust, followed by the uh, one with perlite in it, and the plain compost got tomatoes out of it, but there was lagging behind. So I thought, that was a very, very, very interesting result and something that I'm certainly going to be looking at testing fully next year. So that is the results for this year's little additives experiment. I don't quite know what to call it, but that's all I can think of. And it's it certainly made me think, and I'm certainly, like I say, going to be replicating it again next year on a much grander scale and testing things out a bit differently. Well... 
That is it for this evening. I'd like to thank you very much for joining me again in another podcast. Uh, if you've got anything to add, any experiments you've done, anything you want to add to tonight's podcast, any questions, any comments, please don't hesitate to reach out. It'd be great to hear from you. Now, you can email me, richard at uk. You can visit the website at uk. leave a voicemail or leave a comment. Or you can find me on social media, much like the people who contacted me today have done. Don't forget to leave a review on your podcast app. That would really help as well, and I'd be most grateful for that. We'll be back again next week. So until then, please take care. <laughs>